take your Bibles from the pews and be turning to Deuteronomy chapter 6. I would like to bring a series of messages, I'm not sure how many yet, uh, and to give you a vision for your family. A vision for your family. So beginning in Deuteronomy 6 and verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words which I command you this day shall be in your heart. And you shall teach them diligently unto your children. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. And you shall bind them for a sign upon your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. And you shall write them upon the post of your house and on thy gates. So let us pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word the very inspired, infallible, inerrant Word of the Holy God that reigns forever and ever. Holy Spirit, I pray this day You would come and use these words of Yours and apply them to our hearts and minds. And help us, O Father, to obey Thy commands. These things I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Do you have a vision for your family? Do you have a vision that extends beyond the current generation? Do you want your children to just be wealthy and successful? Or do you want them to be secure for eternity? I want to bring you a vision from Deuteronomy for your family. Proverbs 29.18 says, Where no vision is, where there is no vision, the people perish. Families perish. Nations perish. But they that keep the law are happy. A vision is the act of seeing. It also has the idea of a revelation from God. As the prophets in the Old Testament would receive a vision. Well, through the Scriptures and the Holy Spirit, we receive a vision, a seeing of how we can honor and glorify God through our families in this life and the coming generations. It's been said by a statesman that freedom is never more than one generation from extinction. Another statesman said the philosophy in the schoolroom is one generation will be the philosophy of government in the next. How much more true and imperative is that for us in the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth? that we maintain the vision 
of Jesus Christ as the King of kings and Lord of lords for the coming generations. The health of a society is found in the health of its families. And the disease of a nation is found in the disease of broken families. A healthy family is healthy as it follows and is in submission to the gospel of Jesus Christ. What if you could jump 150 years into the future and look at your family tree? Back in the 1800s, a man named A.E. Winship, a sociologist, did a study of two men 150 years after their death. One was Jonathan Edwards, and the other was Max Jukes, a man that was essentially an antichrist, anti Christian. What did he find 150 years after? Well, in Jonathan Edwards' lineage, he found one U.S. vice president, one dean of a law school, one dean of a medical school, three senators, three governors, three mayors, 13 college presidents, 30 judges, 60 doctors, 65 professors, college professors, 75 military officers, 80 public officers, 100 lawyers, and 100 clergy. Wow. And 150 years. What did he find in Max Jukes' life 150 years later? 42 men in prison, 3 murderers, 60 thieves, 190 prostitutes. 150 convicts, convicted felons. 310 paupers, people living on the street. 440 drunks, people who destroyed their health through alcohol. Do you hear that? Destroyed their health through alcohol. And, and his family, the estimate was that cost the state through all of the crimes uh, $1.2 million, and that was back in the 1800s. <clears throat> so what if we could jump 150 years in the future and look at our genealogy and see what is the impact of our lives and our faith? I would say in Christ you can rejoice because it's going to look a lot like Jonathan Edwards, your family. And I'll I'll tell you this, even if you don't have kids in here and you're in Christ, you are part of building godly families in Christ's church. You are mothers and fathers and sisters and brothers in these families and you are helping build godly families. We really see the consequences of this, these lives that I just mentioned, these two men and their genealogies in Exodus 34. 
In Exodus 34, God comes down and preaches to Moses on the mount the giving of the Ten Commandments at that at the first time he received them. And, uh, and the Lord passed by in Exodus 34, 6 before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands. For thousands of generations, by the way. Keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. And that's what we see in Jonathan Edwards' life. Mercy, mercy, loving kindness. But he will by no means clear the guilty or the impenitent, the unrepentant and the unbelievers will not be cleared. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and the fourth generation. And don't we see that throughout sacred scripture and the history of the Bible? We see it in the lives of these two men here. And so how we conduct our families is serious. And it's fun and it's joyful. And God equips us with everything we need to be successful. Isn't that great? And He told these Israelites there, He said, don't worry, I go ahead of you into the land of Canaan to fight for you. I am a consuming fire. They went in with great confidence and they were mostly victorious there. So my proposition is this today. Your generations will be blessed in Christ as you obey Him. It's that simple, really. Your generations in Christ will be blessed as you obey Him. In Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9 that I read, that's repeated in Deuteronomy 11, that same almost exact phrasing, gives us the vision for how to do that daily. Now I want to, I'll exposit that next time. But I want to give you some of the reasons why we take a vision for family from Deuteronomy today. It's just laying the groundwork for this today. Why take a vision for family from Deuteronomy? Well, first of all, is to understand, let's just understand the book. And secondly, the context. What's going on here in Deuteronomy? Deuteronomy means second law or second telling. It's a repetition of the law. It's a doubling. And y'all know in the scriptures, any time something is doubled, it's important. Uh, I heard one pastor put it this way, Deuteronomy could be duty remembered. Duty remembered. And so in our vision for family, we need to remember our duty. Secondly, coming from the context of Deuteronomy, what's going on here? Well, this is the fifth book of Moses. It's called the Pentateuch. And we've covered from creation to the calling of Abraham to Isaac and then Isaac and Jacob and Jacob who had the twelve sons that became the twelve tribes of Israel 
And we've gone through the Exodus as they, the twelve sons and the twelve tribes went down there and jo- the story of Joseph and they were in bondage down there. And they were down there some 420 years, I believe. And then they're delivered. Now all of these things, well that's another point, let me get there in a minute. We learn from all of this history. We're being taught through all of this history. And so now what's happened is God led them out, the miracle of through the Red Sea into the desert, and He told them, He commanded them, go into the land of Canaan and conquer the land. And so 12 spies, they called, or 12 leaders from each tribe were sent into that land and they came back. And you all remember what happened. Ten of the twelve spies came back and they had the fruit. And they said, oh, it's a great land, a lot of fruit. But we can't take it. There are giants there. And so they, they desired the fruit of the land, but they didn't want the effort to take it. And so we learned even from that. We've got to take the land. It takes effort. In our building of families. And so here as we come to Deuteronomy, in context of history, God said, this whole generation that refused to obey me and go in and take the land will die in the wilderness. Forty years long they were in the wilderness. Except Caleb and Joshua, who were ready to go, they all died. That whole generation died out. And So now you have a new generation That has arisen 40 years later. And Moses will die at the end of Deuteronomy. He will not get to go in. And so he is retelling the law to the next generation. And he's passing the mantle of giving this great teaching of the great God. The God of all hope. The Lord God, Yahweh. He's telling this next generation and preparing them to go into the land of promise. And so we learn from that example, every generation must be retold. Every generation must be taught. Why do we take a vision for family from Deuteronomy? Well, in 1 Corinthians 10... In verse 11, it says, Now all these things happened unto them for examples, and they're written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world has come. Well, what things is he talking about there? Moses. All of the things that happened in this Old Testament related to Moses were written for our understanding so that we might raise our families And have a vision of generational godliness and generational honor for the Lord Jesus Christ. And the things that Paul in 1 Corinthians 10 is pulling out there that need to be taught to these children is that they would not lust after evil things, not desire things they shouldn't. Verse 7, they wouldn't be idolaters. Number 8, that they wouldn't commit fornication. They wouldn't be involved in any form of porn, pornography, sexual sin, sexual impurity. 
Because God destroys those who are habitually involved in those things. And then he says, and, and that they might not tempt Christ. They tempted God over there. And that they would not murmur. And then he says, this is all an example. And these are the things that must be taught. And in Deuteronomy, the context here, Moses is telling them all about God's promises and the people's failures to obey. And the failures to obey and the consequences are here so that we don't have to do that again. So that we can learn from it. Another reason why we take our vision of family, generational family vision from Deuteronomy is because God works through generations. And we see that in Deuteronomy as He's preparing that next generation to go in and take the land of Canaan. God's much bigger than we are. I mean, our vision a lot of times is just for the the immediate generation. And that word generation just means those that are living at the same time. And and that could be three generations, sometimes even four. Some of the people at Benton, who we are blessed to minister to and to learn from them, have great-great-grandchildren. But God's vision is a lot bigger than that. Thousands of generations. And that's what He's still doing to this day. He's working through generations. We see that in Matthew 1.1. We see that in Genesis 3.15. Do you all know whenever God came to Adam and Eve and gave the promise of Messiah and said, there's going to come a seed from you that's going to crush Satan's head. Eve probably thought, all right. Seth must be the one. Right? I mean, Cain killed Abel and Cain's wicked, so, you know, Seth must be the one. But he wasn't. Because in Matthew 1 1, there were 14 generations from Abraham to David. There's 14 generations from David to the carrying away to Babylon. There's 14 generations from Babylon to Christ. 42 generations before that Messiah came. God works over time through generations. And we get to be a part of that. Isn't that great? Psalms 33.11 The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The thoughts of His heart to all generations. To all generations. One of my favorite songs came out over the past 20 years and from a great holy woman of God, Sarah Groves. It's called Generations. And she says this, I can taste the fruit of Eve in this song. I can taste the fruit of Eve. I'm aware of sickness, death, and disease. The results of our choices are vast. Eve was the first, but she won't be the last. Remind me of this with every decision. Generations will reap what I sow. 
I can pass on a curse or a blessing to those I will never know. To my great, great, great granddaughter, live in peace. To my great, great, great grandson, live in peace. There's a vision right there that she had as she is pronouncing blessings on the future generations of her family through that song. Why do we need a vision for our families? Because we see... Because of justification by faith. Because of justification by faith. We must teach our kids the failure of the unbelief and the failure of the law to be able to deliver us. And that Jesus Christ is the end of the law of righteousness to everyone that believes. And so as we study this history in Deuteronomy in the Old Testament, the entire Old Testament was written to show that we can't keep laws. That we can never regain the righteousness through the law. But throughout the Old Testament, it's constantly pointing towards Jesus Christ who would fulfill the law. In Acts 13.39, And by Him all that believe are justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. And so as we look at Deuteronomy and we take a vision for family out of Deuteronomy, we learn from what is being taught there about the law and Christ. The law is our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. The law shows us the holiness of God and the wickedness of our sin so that we might repent and turn to Him. And so Deuteronomy is the retelling to the next generation. And we need to do the same thing. We need to have a vision. 30 years ago, this text, Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 9, grabbed a hold of me and Lauren. And it turned our family upside down, which is really upside right. And from time to time, when I get my son-in-laws and daughters together, I reread this text and I tell them, this is your mantle. This is your mantle. This is all of your mantles in the room. Again, all of us in Christ, this is our mantle. This is our generation to conquer. This is our time on the stage of the world to herald Christ and to conquer giants. You think about looking at generational violence, generational abuse, generational gains, and how this country is locked in to a culture of disintegrating families and destruct this fa- this country is most of it, not all of it. The Church of Christ isn't. We are not. Most of the institutions of this country are at war with this vision. Why do we take 
our vision of family from Deuteronomy. Because all Scripture... You want to finish it? All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God, the woman of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And that's coming from a young man who didn't have a dad in the picture but had a mom and a grandma. In Deuteronomy 1.1, take a look at this with me just a second here. A minute. Deuteronomy 1.1. How all Scripture is given is inspired by God. Look how Deuteronomy begins. These be the words. This whole Deuteronomy is Moses preaching. These be the words. These are the words of God. We've got to hold this up to our young people. And they're listening even when they're little. These be the words which Moses spake unto all Israel on this side of Jordan in the wilderness. And y'all know, the Jordan River is the picture of crossing over death to the other side. And we sang that song this morning. If you have been faithful in your vision, and you have raised up godly children, and you have contributed to the raising of godly families in the community of faith, and we all get on that other side and we look back, what a day that will be. Oh, what a day that will be. When we see the vision and God's blessing on that vision for the glory and honor of Jesus and so this is on the Jordan in the wilderness and the plain over against the Red Sea between Paran and Tophel and Laban and Heziroth and Dizahab. There are eleven days journey from Horeb by the way of Mount Seir unto Kadesh Barnea. And this whole letter is rehearsed in about two weeks. All of this is, takes place in about two weeks, Deuteronomy. And it came to pass in the fortieth year in the eleventh month, on the first day of the month, that Moses spake unto the children of Israel, how did he speak? According unto all that the Lord had given him in commandment unto them. And after he had slain all these nations. And in verse 5, on this side of Jordan, in the land of Moab, listen what it says here, began Moses to declare this law. That Declare there, the same word for preaching. He began to preach the Word, to declare this law, saying, how did, how did He do it? The Lord our God spake. And He's still speaking now, here, in this room, through the Spirit and through this Word. And through these living words, not dead words, living words, we teach these living words to our children. And we raise them up to take the mantle onto the next generation. In Deuteronomy, there are some key words. The Lord your God is the most repeated phrase. 
Again and again, Moses saying, The Lord your God, Yahweh your God. Again and again, authority, authority, authority. We need authority. We are the most happy and free and joyful under perfect authority. The Lord will is used 34 times. Shall not is used 128 times. The heart is mentioned 43 times. Keep and do or listen and obey as 43 times. He is declaring these words of God to that generation that was rising up, that needed to be instructed and retold because they didn't see the miracles. They didn't walk through the Red Sea. They were born out there in the wilderness. And He's declaring to them. To declare means to make plain, to make distinct, to make clear. It also has the idea of letters on a stone tablet. He was declaring words. The Word of God is letters on a stone tablet. They cannot be changed or altered. And praise God that now, through the Holy Spirit, we have that fleshly heart given to us whereby we might love this law. I've said it before, I'm going to say it again. The, The role of parents is not to make your kids obey the law. That sounds shocking at first, doesn't it? Your job is to teach them to love the law. If they love it, they will obey it. We need generational vision because of consequences, both positive and negative, as we saw in the lives of those two men. We need... We need to prepare this generation. They must be prepared. That's the next point. Why are we using Deuteronomy? Because it's a model of preparing a generation to go in and fight. they got to fight. they got to fight their own sins. Do you know that there is an illustration in Canaan that I have read amongst many old preachers, that when they went into the land, they were commanded to exterminate every man, woman, and child. And that's hard for us to understand. But the illustration is, in the New Testament church, we have a lot of ites living in the land of our hearts. And we are commanded to go in and destroy every sin in our hearts. We are to conquer the land. And our children must be prepared to understand the nature of their hearts, repentance, faith, salvation, the doctrines of grace, so that they can fight a good fight of faith. And so that they can fight also the evil that's outside. So we must prepare them to enter and to fight God tells them again and again, go in and possess the land. He warns them not to murmur and complain. They murmured and complained. He said He would fight for them. 
It is a spiritual battle. Ephesians chapter 6. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and high places. We're fighting spiritual battles. You remember when, I think it was Elisha and his servant. And they were in a town and the king came and surrounded the town that Elisha and his servant was in. And his servant was all upset. We're surrounded. We're surrounded. The Democrats won the election. And he prays that God would open his eyes. And God opens his eyes and he sees that there are millions and millions of angels that had the army surrounded so that that army just looked like a drop in a bucket. And so that's what we've got to teach our kids. Don't fear men. Fear God who has them surrounded all the time. Your God is a consuming fire. When you walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and the truth, they will fall away before you. So why do we need a generational vision? Well, we need it because of the consequences of unbelief. In Psalms 95, after saying, Oh come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. At the end of that psalm, after the great praise and worship that's going on, he says, Today, there's a warning that's laid down. Today, if you will hear His voice... Harden not your heart as in the day of the provocation, as in the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, saw my works and proved me, of whom I swore in my wrath and said, they do err in their heart and they shall not enter into my rest. That's repeated again in Hebrews chapter 3. And again, this is all, all of this that's happening in Deuteronomy is for our learning and teaching to this generation. In Hebrews 3, when he repeats that, he says in verse 12, uh, back up, verse 6, But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house are we, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. Pay attention to the ifs here. An if is a conditional statement. And I believe Christ has met all conditions. And I believe you will too. But there's still an if there to to prod you on in faith. If we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. Verse 7, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost says, He didn't say Moses there, He said as the Holy Ghost says, Today, if you will hear His voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation and the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works forty years. Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation and said they do always err in their heart. And they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, 
lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. We must be exhorting each other. Church and community of faith, God uses to keep us in the faith. And to build families and to build a heritage that will last for generations. And so we need a vision because the consequences are them not being able to enter into the rest. And that rest there is heaven. So the previous generation had failed and He's preparing this generation to stand up. Not all of that previous generation. We had two, two men there that stood firm. There were many others. But there were some that didn't believe. I hope in 150 years that there's not some in here that have turned aside to unbelief. I hope not. And I'll tell you from generational training and teaching of young men, Word of God and truth and women, we are preparing deacons and preachers for the Word of God. There is a famine of the Word of God in the land. Why do we need a generational vision? Why am I taking it from Deuteronomy? I'm just laying the foundation today. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, back over there, I believe these are the... I would call these the, the key verses of the entire book of Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy 7 and 9, 10, and 11, I would say this is the proposition statement for all of Deuteronomy. Know therefore that the Lord thy God... He is God, the faithful God, which keeps covenant and mercy with them that love Him and keep His commandments to a thousand generations and repays them that hate Him to their face to destroy them. He will not be slack to them that hate Him. He will repay Him to His face. You shall therefore keep the commandments and the statutes and the judgments which I command you this day to do them. Not just know them, do them. That's why we need a generational vision. You've got, that's blessings on the right hand and curses on the left. Faithful God, that those that love Him and those that hate Him, He will destroy That's why we need to teach our children this truth of this great God. Holy God. Holy God who will by no means clear the guilty. I have been blessed to be able to see what I call generational godliness and God achieving this already in families here. But you know, there are exceptions to this. God loves to save wretched scoundrels out of families so that He might show His mercy. 
and he did it to me and my mother. And I, I just thank God for it. He's done that to some of y'all. He does that to show that he can do whatever he wants. When Christ was coming in, he said, God can raise up these stones. People to, to sing praises to him if he so desired. And he raised up one to praise him from a, a rock, a hard rock. And he does it again and again. But I think the principle is in place in Scripture that we are to raise up generations and that He blesses that and God works over time. And I'll tell you, for somebody who's been raised in generational godliness, they get, they receive the blessings that have already been stored up from that previous generation. And there's a wealth of knowledge and wisdom that gets poured into their life that somebody who's saved out of a wicked family doesn't have. And so, I want us to see that God blesses generational godliness in the life of our church. So what is your battle plan for how you're going to do that? How do you uh, expect to contradict the open propaganda of the media that is trying to redefine everything that God made holy and pure? What's your battle plan for that? You need one. You should sit down with your kids. You should have goals. Body, mind, spirit goals. What are you going to read this year? How are you going to exercise? How are you going to take care of that vessel God gave you? How are you going to nurture your spirit through prayer and meditation? Memorization. What's your battle plan? If you don't have a battle plan, the enemy is coming. I'm telling you, they got a plan. Netflix has a plan that they want you watching Netflix 24-7. That's their battle plan. Now, of course, they're just looking at money, but there is spiritual power and wickedness in that plan. So what's our plan? How are we going to ensure that we are not brainwashed with propaganda, but that our minds are steadfast in the truth that will protect us, that will be our belt of truth, our shield of faith, our helmet of salvation, our sword of the Spirit. Jonathan Edwards, every night when he would come in with with his kids, had 11 of them, him and Sarah, he would spend an hour every night and they would sing songs, they would worship, and he would pray individually over every child. God, I pray for this child. I pray you'd be with the spouse of this child wherever this child is. I pray, God, that you would bless this child to understand the truth. I pray you would bless this child to be born again of the Spirit because I can't do that. I pray, Father, you would bless them in the future and you'd let their children and their children's children be followers of Christ to His glory, not mine. He would pray over every child individually. He read the Bible through every year. Do your kids see you reading your Bible? Do you memorize Scripture? Or you memorize Scripture together? I'm just throwing out some ideas, some practical ways that you can instill a battle plan for your family. And I'll I'll steal a slogan. Just do it. 
All right? Just do it. Well, I know that this is, can be overwhelming to think about based on what's going on, and, and I know it can be overwhelming to consider uh, establishing a vision, or maybe you've come out of a family that didn't have that. I'm telling you, because of what Christ did, the past is washed clean, and we get to start fresh every day. Oh. Every day we get to start anew and afresh. And we get to rejoice in what He has done for us. And I say you're going to be challenged and you're going to be tempted in your life in trying to do this. But I want to encourage you, when Israel went into that land for 40 years, many of them failed in unbelief. Jesus Christ went into the desert for 40 days and He succeeded where they failed. Jesus Christ was attacked in that first go-round with Satan. And you know which book of the Bible He quoted from? Deuteronomy. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word which proceeds out of the mouth of God. Deuteronomy 8.3 You are a spiritual being. You need word. You need to eat it and feast on it and think over it and chew on it and be challenged with it. Deuteronomy 6.16 You shall not tempt the Lord your God. There's some, we could take a whole message just on that murmuring and complaining about your situation, about your family, your husband, your wife, any circumstance God has placed you in, if you murmur about it, you're saying, you know better than He does. Don't do it. Deuteronomy 6, 13 and 14, and, and chapter 10, 20, Thou shalt worship the Lord God, and Him only shall you serve. And it's actually in Deuteronomy, it says, Thou shalt fear the Lord your God, rather than worship. And that takes us back to our study on Wednesdays, right? To fear God is to worship Him. And so Christ succeeded. He succeeded and overcame Satan. Christ paid the penalty for our violation of the law. And we get to live as if we had lived His life. Isn't that such a good thing to think about? We get to live every day on the power of a resurrected Christ. And we can continue to follow Him and serve Him and put these words into our very families for the next generation. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And these words which I command you this day shall be in your heart, and you shall teach Him Teach them diligently unto your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. And you shall bind them for a sign upon your hand. They shall be as frontlets between your eyes. And you shall write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought you into the land which He sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give thee great and good cities that you build not. 
And when you've eaten and are full, then beware lest you forget God. May God bless us to have a good godly vision for our families and that we would live it out in the community for the glory and honor of Christ.